0: You're listening to Midori House, first broadcast on the 16th of July 2018 on Monocle 24. And welcome to midori house coming to you live from studio one here in london i'm daniel Bates. on today's show trump meets putin in finland on a day that began with the president blaming the u.s for the tensions between moscow and washington he later said actually both sides are to blame
1: we should have had this dialogue a long time ago a long time frankly before i got to office and i think we're all uh, to blame
0: But Mr. Trump refused to say if he believes Russia interfered in the 2016 election. My guests Stephen Diel and Sebastian Borger will be discussing the implications and the day's other top stories, including...
2: And France are world champions. 20
3: years since their only previous World Cup win. Tonight in Paris, they're going to party like it's 1998.
0: Did we just witness the best World Cup of all time? And how did Russia pull it off? And what will it mean for France winners? And a site in the very far north of Scotland has been chosen for a satellite facility to get Britain into space. Well, to launch satellites anyhow. What does it mean for the UK in what may be the next great space race? All that plus summer reading lists are coming out. We'll ask Stephen and Sebastian about what they're set to dig into. All to come here on Midori House with me, Daniel Beach. So welcome to Midori House. My guests today, Sebastian Borger and Stephen Diel. Welcome, gentlemen, both to the program and back to Midori House. We'll turn our attention first to Helsinki, where U.S. President Donald Trump and his Russian counterpart... Vladimir Putin held their first summit today. Mr. Trump said he hoped for an extraordinary relationship between the leaders. Beforehand, he blamed U.S.-Russia tensions on previous administrations and the rigged witch hunt, as he put it on Twitter, of Robert Mueller. But he, of course, did not mention the key factors usually cited in the West as causes for friction with Moscow. Russia's annexation of Crimea, discussed in a press conference a few moments ago, its support for rebels in Ukraine and the Assad regime in Syria meddling in the U.S. presidential election, nor did he mention the nerve agent poisonings in Salisbury, which the British government has pinned on the Kremlin. But the headline out of this, I think, is Donald Trump's apparent siding with Russia over his own intelligence agencies just days after 12 Russians were indicted for attacking American democracy and the election. The former CIA director says Trump is fully in the pocket of Vladimir Putin. Stephen, can we agree with that?
3: I think we have to I and mean, it's um I would say it's extraordinary but of course anything that Trump does seems to be <laughs> yeah. extraordinary so what we expected was something extraordinary and, 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 and that that it is um, it 's not the first time of course mm. that he 's criticized the fbi and and uh, in fact, I was recently in uh, in the United States and discussed with some people that you know, they, 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 they're just everyone I spoke to, maybe I spoke to the wrong people, but everyone I spoke to uh, was saying they just can 't believe how he can be so as they say right. unpatriotic by having a go at the FBI and now but now publicly to come out standing next to Putin. Uh, and say, Well, I believe him rather than the FBI mm. um this This will go down like the proverbial lead balloon in Washington. Trump did not in any way condemn or
0: give his opinion on Russian interference in the u s election in his remarks today, standing next to Putin, as you say uh, but Sebastian he did he said he raised the issue. Do you think he they mentioned it
1: and and to what extent uh, I don't know, and I, to be honest, don't particularly care. Mm. Um, there must be an, an oath of office. We have, we have it in Germany. I'm sure the Americans have it, um, which roughly says, you know, you've got to uphold the Constitution and um, avert danger from, from, in this case, America. I think he is, he is uh, violating his oath of office. Mm. Simple as that. He is siding with a foreign power. Um, um, he is—he is—as I uh, forgive me for plugging my own article—but on Friday I wrote he is a, he is a, uh, uh, he is hostile to Europe. He's a foe of Europe. Mm. He, of course, has now uh, told us that Europe is his foe. I mean, the man is—is is, uh, out of out of. I mean, there is. This, the, I think uh, Boris Johnson is right in saying there is method behind the madness. Mm-hmm but there is madness and 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 we we, we will have to totally readjust our thinking about what we used to call the Western Alliance. It doesn't exist Mm. anymore.
0: Yeah, as you say, Trump, uh, in putting tariffs on America's biggest allies, sort of a slap in the face to all of those. He's called the Canadian prime minister a backstabber, called the EU America's biggest foe, and even borrowed Stalin's phrase, uh, enemy of the
3: people, to describe the press. But, Stephen, he's congratulating Putin. He is. Now, I have felt for a long time... Um, since e- even before he was uh, elected president. And when, remember, there was a dossier produced uh, by a former British intelligence officer mm. um, accusing Trump of, of m- various misdemeanors in Moscow. Comparatively minor, I say comparatively minor in so much as I am convinced that Putin has something on Trump. Mm. Something about his personal life, something, mm. uh, something which I think would be a complete bombshell. At the moment... Putin doesn't need to drop it on him because Trump is causing such chaos uh, as Sebastian was just saying mm. you know he he's, he's insulting his allies he's 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 just offending a- anyone who who has any uh, sympathy or liking for the United States it seems um so while he's doing that he's he's doing Putin's work for him Putin let, let it, let's be absolutely clear Putin One of his aims always is to split Western alliances. Putin sees the West because of his, um, some might say, paranoid background, but certainly his time in the KGB, his deep Russian roots, and Russians have often been suspicious of the West. Putin feels that in spades, and, and he sees the West as an enemy. There's nothing we can do to stop him thinking that way. And he has always tried to uh, use divisions between members of NATO, members of the European Union. uh, And this idea that there's now a rift between the United States and Europe, it really suits Mm. him. So he doesn't need to drop this bombshell yet. But I just have a feeling that there will be a time, and it may be after, if, for example, uh, Trump is not re-elected as American president, then we may see something leaked through uh, a, um, an American source, maybe something like um, uh, the New York Post, something sure. not, not one of the big newspapers, with all due respect to the New York Post, uh, but that, that may come out. And then eventually we'll say, well, where did this come from? Mm-hmm. And it may say something quite horrific about Trump and Trump's behavior. Uh, what do you think uh, Donald Trump
0: has to gain, Sebastian, from this relationship at all? He, he doesn't criticize Vladimir Putin. He's, he's uh, you know, very assured in going to meet him. What does he get out of
1: this? Well, let's if, – if we put the most positive slant on it, he has talked in rather incoherent ways um, about nuclear disarmament. Let's give him the benefit of the doubt on that front. Maybe there is something to it. Maybe he, he is arguing, like Ronald Reagan did in the 1980s, from a position of strength, having built rebuilt the nuclear forces of the US, um, to, to now do something about it. I know I'm very, I'm sort of clutching at straws here. Apart from that, I can't you know it's look to, to we've got this debate in germany and um, we've had it over the last few years how how much to engage with Russia you want to stay in touch it's a it's a factor in so many areas of of world politics you've we've got, got to keep some um, lines of dialogue open. Um, in that sense, it's, it's good, but that's really all I can say in favor.
3: Of. When, I, when I was just in Washington, um, I had someone who was, I would say, is in the know, who was telling me that Obama kept that dialogue going with Putin up to a point where after, I think it was 36 or 37 phone calls that Obama made, on the 38th, Putin simply refused to take the call. So it's very mm-hmm. difficult to keep dialogue going if, right. if the other side uh, re- refuses to uh, to pick up the phone, even. So it, whilst it it is important, and I think you know, it, but, it's vital. It, but you, you need, but you need also to be able to say where you disagree, not just come out right. and say. No, the no, thing.
1: Op- obviously. But I mean, you have to admit. You, you know, I'm very reluctant to to get into defending Trump, but you have to admit that Obama was weak on a number of fronts, w- w- where Putin was strong in, 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 in simply power politics terms. Uh, Syria, for example, Putin had an entry uh, strategy and an exit strategy. Obama had neither. Um, what did Obama do when, when they went into Crimea? Can we remember anything? what did obama do when they shot down the the, the dutch plane yeah. you, you know the um, the usa has has shown since uh, since bush totally uh, mucked up the middle east has shown weakness in in the in the global uh, politic arena politics arena and and putin is a power politics politician and he he made use of that as far as that is concerned, I think Trump, Trump's analysis is correct.
0: But the one thing I guess we should say is, is sanctions is the one thing that Washington has done, and uh, a road they continue to go down. But Mr. Putin said today at the news conference, there are no objective reasons for strained relations. Perhaps the reasons these men like each other so much is uh, they have no problem glossing over the facts.
3: Well, absolutely glossing over the fact. Of course, there are, of course there are um, reasons. I mean, mm. um, look at Crimea. Look at Ukraine, where more than 10,000 innocent people have been killed because of Russian intervention. Um, Look at Syria. Again, it's not just the fact that the Russians are in Syria and supporting Assad. It's the way they've behaved. Bombing hospitals and so on, um, which we know know about, shooting down MH17 in Ukraine. There are are very good reasons. Uh, And I suppose, you know, if I'm looking for a um, a tiny glimmer of, of something good to come out of this meeting today, it's that, as far as we know, May yet come to this, but that, that Putin, uh, or rather Trump, has not said to Putin, you know, oh well, we're going to pull our troops out of Germany. Mm. And I so the reason I say right. that. Of course, after the meeting with uh, King, Kim Jong Un in, in Korea, you know, he, he said we're stopping exercises on the Korean Peninsula without telling the Koreans or the Japanese that they yeah. had any intention right. of doing that. Yeah. So that that I think the fear was certainly my fear was before this meeting was would he suddenly come out with something like that afterwards? Oh, you know, we're going to pull our thirty-five thousand troops out of out of Germany. Uh, you know, we're not going to support NATO exercises in. Europe, something right. of that nature. So as far as we know, that hasn't happened. So I suppose we should be thankful for that.
0: S- Sebastian, you <laughs> mentioned earlier um, giving the leaders the benefit of the doubt in what they're trying to accomplish. We aren't sure what that is yet, but uh, Putin also says, as the two main nuclear powers in the world, Washington and Moscow have a role to play in global security, is, is,
1: is that true at all? Do you agree? Well, of course I agree. As I said, you know, if if these two went ahead and, and said, come on. Let's, uh, let's try and uh, get rid of at least uh, the mol- largest part of uh, atomic weapons in the world. That would be a tremendous um, impetus to something which has totally stalled, which we are actually, all of us, committed to, namely nuclear disarmament. But it hasn't happened, has it? And, and, mm. and all the recent inis- initiatives haven't worked. So, yes, I mean, that, that would be great. I doubt very much that it'll happen. But there we go. Let's, let's again let's give it the benefit of the doubt. And
0: and looking how these men can work together and and speak together in future, um, you know, Trump is quick to criticize leaders meant to be America's best allies, but uh, he refuses to directly criticize Putin, even though uh, some in his administration will, even John Bolton uh, has done so, uh, calling the meddling last year an act of war. Why do you think, uh, why do you think, Stephen, he,
3: he continues to sort of play nice with Putin? Uh, my, again, my as I see it, my my only logical explanation, if you can apply logic to anything mm. Trump comes out with, but is this idea that Putin's got something really huge right, on him, so. and therefore he's terrified that you know if he were to drop that bombshell now, then mm. that really could be the end of his presidency. Um, that you know, it's it's speculation, but I just feel one reason I say it is because anyone of any significance who's, who visits Russia. Will have a file opened on them by the KGB. So they will have a big file on Trump because Trump visited uh, the Soviet Union, or rather Russia. I beg your pardon. Uh, visited Russia, you know, as a significant businessman. Um, and so it's just a matter of course for FSB, as the KGB is now right. called, to to do that. So they will have a file on him, and then, and that's my my feeling is there's something in that file um, that uh, could cause huge uproar. They must have a file on you as well. <laughs> I'm sure they do. <laughs>
0: well, speaking of uh, KGB and intelligence, uh, Vladimir Putin did say he was going to help with the Russia investigation into election meddling. Um, you know, as a former intelligence officer, he, he may understand that we all win in this, don't we, Sebastian?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like he said he would help with the Litvinenko uh, investigation. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. I mean, come on. We don't believe a word of what, what this guy is saying. It's... You, Look, I he is he is. I think Stephen is is much more of an expert on that. But I think he is a a Russian leader in a long historical line. He the way he 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 sees Russia's interests mm. and and follows them down uh, very unpleasant places. Um, and and in that sense, he's a successful leader. We we can't we can't deny him that. I don't think.
3: I'm going to pick up. I'm going to pick up Sebastian on just one point there, I, I would agree, except that I would never use the word leader about Putin. He's not a leader. He's a ruler. Mm. He rules the country he's in a very tyrant. Russian way. He's but, a ti- by all means. But, was, yes, but yeah, okay. It may semantics, but right. yeah. I, I think, you know, I actually think this is, you know, there are leaders in this, in this world that in, throughout history. Yes. There have been people who have, who have right. led their people. He, he dominates his people and he, he rules over them. He doesn't do what's best for them.
0: Well, I want to uh, stay with Russia, but move on uh, to the World Cup now. Uh, yesterday, ending with France lifting the trophy in Moscow after quite a thrilling final, I believe, uh, beating Croatia 4-2. Uh, for several years, many in the West, mostly the press, I guess, were skeptical Russia would be able to pull off this tournament at all. But uh, by all accounts, it went uh, quite well. And maybe sticking with Putin for a minute, uh, Stephen, um, he pulled off a real PR coup, didn't he? He's he's had all these uh, big leaders in the, in the executive box with him he's come off quite well hasn't he
3: I had no doubts at all that this would go off like that mm. um, it's, it's if I may be very cynical but it's very easy in a dictatorship to, to put on something like that right. and make sure that the um, the police do as they're told and that they clamp down on any dissent and smile at people and smile at people and and, yeah. people. <laughs> and, and also one reason why I had no doubts to be less cynical was the fact that knowing the Russian people as I do um, they were thrilled to get this you know right. from, from that point Of view, uh, I think you know it was great that that they could show how warm they can be, how hospitable they can be, uh, how welcoming they can be, which 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 they can. Um, My complaint about it and why I feel that the World Cup should not have gone to Russia was. A, there was corruption all the way down the line from right. the first, from the moment they got it. Uh, Not more right. for FIFA? Before. Uh, Before. Before. Indeed, indeed. And and uh, uh, and then, you know, the the, the, the doping scandal, the mm. racism, the organised hooliganism two years ago in France. Um, you know, there were so many reasons. And, of course, the war in Ukraine. You know, when you start and... Uh, you know, what would they have done if Ukraine had actually got through to the finals? Right. I mean, that's an interesting question. Or if, if the Netherlands had got through to the finals, right. uh, you know, would they have played Russia if they'd had to after the MH17 uh, shooting? down. Um, So I think there were many reasons why it shouldn't have taken place in Russia. But when it was known that it was going ahead, um, I had every confidence that it would, you know, it, it would present a very friendly face of Russia to the world. And so from the point of view of the Russian people, I'm very glad that it did. Right, and uh,
0: I think all those incidents or possible incidents and and concerns that you raised there um, were the concern before the tournament. But I guess once the the football starts, um, you know, our attention turns to that. Uh, but barring a, a few incidents, the pitch invasion by Pussy Riot last night, and and this insane waiting to present the uh, the
1: trophy, and then a, a massive rainstorm, I think Sebastian it went pretty well, didn't it? Yes, it, it was a good on purely on footballing terms. It was a good tournament. There's nothing, mm. uh, nothing to deny about that. We will have to see, uh, I mean, we've, we've seen that in earlier uh, World Cups, of course, particularly in South Africa. I think partly also in Brazil last time, um, that some of the arenas newly built or, 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 or greatly refurbished right. for the World Cup uh, then uh, tend to be totally, uh, uh, you know, useless uh, uh, two months after the war mm. or, or indeed two days so. after study events um, so, so that's that's a worry I have and and um, but apart from that you know the problem of course with FIFA let's let's not beat about the bush every every tournament at least we know, at least since germany 2006 uh, was uh, awarded by corruption mm-hmm. we know it about germany we know it about south africa we know it about brazil we know it about russia and and we we strongly suspect it about qatar uh, i mean which never should have got it in the first place so so in that sense russia is is part of a long and ignoble line uh, but they I think you have to give them credit a good a good World Cup and of course the football at the moment is attractive to watch there's yeah. no, no doubt about it wherever it would have been um, it's fun and it's great to see big nations fall or not even take part Italy and, and, and the Netherlands didn't even uh, qualify Germany fell Brazil fell fairly early mm. other nations I mean South Korea and Japan I thought played really well as did Croatia getting into the final. I mean, really, in that sense, a, a, a great from a sporting point of view, a great event.
0: Yeah, I think I think so as well. And and England sort of punching above their weight as well. Uh,
3: Stephen, was a good World Cup for you? Well, um, I, I'm going to be again a cynical Englishman. Actually, I think mm. I think um, England has gone has gone a bit uh, totally over the top. Actually, right. Um, because if you let's sit back and analyse it, England played seven matches, including the third and fourth place match. Played three. Drawn one, uh, won three, drawn one, lost three. Mm. Now, if my team starts the Premier League season like that, I won't be satisfied with that as a first seven. <laughs> What's eight. your team? Uh, yeah. My team is Arsenal. Yeah. Arsenal, and, same um, here. Okay, so they, they,
1: they ought to do yes, better. Yes, awful. But,
3: but I think also, and and uh, there's a there's a place in North London called Southgate, and for two days the station's being called Gareth Southgate. Right. Well, I, I actually tweeted <laughs> and said and said, well, what you know, if, if next time they win the World Cup, what do we do? Rename the whole tube network? Right. Uh, <laughs> it's just over the top. I have it in front of me here. You're very English, um, Steve. I'm Come on!
1: <laughs> don't be
3: Eeyore-ish. No, no, let, let, let's be a yeah, little I bit more here, tiggerish. I have here from 1966 England's World Cup. A special celebratory brochure. It's got all the results. But what it does, it's actually it's only the first half because it then also goes into all the other things that were going on. All the sports. There's racing. There's boxing. There's Wimbledon. There's cricket that were going on at that time. And, and they're, they're just um, it's, I'm just being old now, Sebastian. But it there's, wasn't the
1: goal anyway? Yeah. Uh, and, and it probably
3: wasn't the goal. And the fourth one shouldn't have counted. Because there we were people on the pitch, but anyway, <laughs> yeah. uh, let's not lose our our sense of everything that was good. Um, uh, and you know, I think now it's just this everything. It's so over the top. Mm. This was, you know, that was it was '66 that got me interested in football. Um, uh, and and this souvenir which I've kept ever since uh, is just an indication of, of how things were much more measured. And unfortunately, sure. now with uh, with with sport, you know, and, and the you know the fireworks and the, the ticker tape, and it, um, I'm afraid the Americans have got a lot to answer for on that one. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I don't thing. mind a bit of razzmatazz, but um, <laughs> yeah. it's, it, 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 these, these days it often goes way over the top. One, one more note on uh,
0: Putin and Trump. I liked the moment at the press conference where uh, Putin passed uh, Trump the World Cup ball, the official one, and he threw it to Melania right away and said, over to you. He forgot to mention that Qatar comes first before that whole <laughs> North America World Cup. But ju- uh, just briefly, Sebastian, uh, what, was this your favorite World Cup or what's your favorite uh, World Cup memory? Obviously, you've got a few more stars than France uh,
1: does and in, in your uh, locker. Yeah yes yes, but um, no I mean I have to say even though some people here in Monaco won't like me for saying that um, the semi-final last time 2014 when we beat the Brazilian 7-1 that was uh, that was that was special that was interesting
0: better yes. than was it 90 West Germany won yes yeah.
1: because 90 the the, the you know, it, it, not a nice World Cup overall, right? Uh, no, no, no. I I didn't particularly like it. No.
0: Well, I was in a German beer hall uh, when uh, that semi-final took place, a so seven-one. So I can I can <laughs> that say was that was special. also a good World Cup memory <laughs> for me. Uh, we're going to leave that topic there, but we will be back. You are listening, Jim Midori House with me, Daniel Bay, Sebastian Borger, and Stephen DL. Coming up next is the UK getting into the next great space
2: race. Summer is finally here, and so is Monocle's bumper July-August double issue. This is when we zero in on quality of life, and cities, why we love them, what makes them actually work, and how they need to improve. As always, we reveal our ranking of the top 25 cities to live in worldwide, find out if your city makes the cut, and for the first time we present our manifesto for creating a more relaxed city, a guide to breathing in and lightening up and a celebration of everything from taking your kit off to making a bit of a racket. In the affairs pages, we meet the urban heroes giving back to their hometowns. While in design, we take a closer look at greenery in the city and how to do it right. Elsewhere, we take a dip in Geneva's top swimming spot, we tuck into some northern Spanish grub, and we sit down for a mass with the locals in a few Bavarian beer gardens. Prost. That's all in the July-August issue of Monocle on newsstands everywhere now. Or head to monocle.com to become a subscriber.
0: Still with me, Stephen Diel and Sebastian Berger. Now we move to the UK. U.S. aerospace giant Lockheed Martin has won a uh, grant to develop a facility to launch satellites in a very far remote corner of Scotland near uh, Sutherland, about 55 k from the uh, Dunray nuclear facility, one of two in Scotland. They also have nuclear submarines. Uh, this will be the first facility in the UK as the country gets into the uh, space race to launch satellites, which will mostly be used for Earth observation and data gathering. The government's saying they want a 10% share of the market, which will be estimated uh, estimated to be worth 400 million pounds by 2030. And then they can start getting these into the air by 2020. Do you see, uh, Stephen, let's start with you, uh, the UK becoming a space powerhouse out of this? I
3: don't, I don't think a powerhouse is yeah. such, but I, I'm, I'm very pleased that we... Um, We're showing that we have uh, the capabilities and the research and and, uh, we're actually playing a part in this. Mm. Um, uh, We've always had um in the past uh, very good aerospace i mean we used to create amazing aircraft mm-hmm. um the falcon bomber is being my particular favorite um, and we can't do that anymore right. um because they've simply sold off all the all the capabilities there are no wind tunnels now they, they we can't make aircraft make aircraft parts make right. very good aircraft engines uh but Actually, it, yeah, it's you know this is one where we talked earlier about patriotism, and and um, uh, I was being a cynical Englishman. I'm I, I'm I'm a very proud Brit on mm. this, given that it's in Scotland as well. My roots are scot My roots are in Scotland. Um, that. Yeah, I think this is, is, is very good because, you know, this is this is so important. Space research mm-hmm. is crucial. You know, a lot of people criticize it, but then they reach for their mobile phone. Well, how yeah. do they think cool. that works? Mm-hmm. Um, they want a good weather forecast. Where do they get that from? Uh, so I I'm, I think this is excellent news. Perhaps it's a, a bit of a
0: game of keeping up with Macron. He's he's interested in developing um, industries like this. Uh, uh, one note I noticed in the FT, uh, UK startup Orbex has also won a grant of about five and a half million pounds to develop a launch vehicle called Prime. So so if we think about Brexit and the economy, uh, Sebastian, if a startup like this can get into the game and be part of this, that's
1: that's great news, isn't it? The interesting thing is, of course, we've got this Galileo uh, space program in the European Union where there's uh, some disagreement between uh, the European Commission on the one hand and, and uh, the UK on the other about the UK wanting to participating mm. in it beyond brexit and <clears throat> and the commission saying well you can't because you'll be a a third nation, in other words, you, you, you're you not uh, party to our normal checks and balances anymore, which I find very odd uh, if we seriously say that we trust the Brits less than the Hungarians or the Romanians. But there we go. Um, that's just my opinion. But no, I mean, th- 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 as, as Stephen has pointed out, I mean, the, the, the British have been strong on that, even though, of course, they tried to kill off Galileo before it mm. was initially... Started uh, on the on the advice or, or instructions, whatever, from Washington. Um, uh, but that they've they've developed a, a strong um, space and aerospace uh, startup industry, I think, and it's it's great that the government I, I, the government is actually putting grants towards it. In other words, right. there is an active industrial policy, which of course was was anathema to the conservatives for for decades. Ever sure. uh, since Margaret Thatcher. I like it. In order to, could you see cooperation between Britain and the EU on and well, this obviously. portfolio? Yeah. Well, obviously, I mean, mm. if we, if if that's that's always my hope that despite Brexit, um, there is so many things where we have to stand together, and and where we share interests and values. Uh, to some extent, we share them more now than with the United States, as, as far as this administration is concerned. So let's by all means stick together on that. could be an interesting to wa- one to watch. And of course,
0: at Monocle, we will be very interested uh, in keeping track of, of where that goes in that industry and, and what it means for the economy. Just briefly, uh, we got a couple minutes left, uh, it being the middle of July, and many of us are perhaps getting set for a summer holiday or uh, uh, with the nice weather are going to tuck into a book we've been asking everyone around uh, Monocle. Staff, what they are
3: going to be reading, what is on their list. Uh, Stephen, what's on your list? I'm, I suppose, I'd like to say traditional rather than a dinosaur, um, but I, I'm not driven by new books that are coming mm. out. I have so many books on my shelves that I still haven't read. And also I have books I consider, I call them my best friends. I go back to them again and again and again. The one I'm rereading at the moment is Vasily Grossman's Life and Fate, which is just amazing. It's one mm. of the best books of the 20th century and largely undiscovered, uh, available in Russian and in translation in French and English. you am going to write that down. Um, Life and Fate, Vasily Grossman, oh, uh, amazing book. Amazing book, um, uh, and I suppose because of my um, Russian interest, I tend to be driven by that. So, The Master of Margarita is another one I keep reading. Okay. Bulgakov, um, indeed. Um, but probably for the for the summer, uh, and again, it's one I've read a couple of times, but I will probably come back to this summer. Is The Magus by John Fowles because it's set on a Greek island, and it's uh, again just an amazing book. I, 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 every time I read these, the reason I reread them is because there's so much to them
1: uh, that every time I find something new. Mm. Interesting. And what about yourself, Sebastian? Two books. One newly come out about Lisbon. I'm afraid I can't. Uh, I haven't got the author, but but I read uh, raving reviews just in the last few days, and Lisbon is my favorite, one of my favorite cities. And my German book club has decided to uh, go back to Thomas Mann, uh, Doctor Faustus. So that that's uh, going to be, and I've and, and the the book is I don't know 600 pages, and the commentary is 800
2: pages. So there's <laughs> plenty. Okay, plenty, plenty to do there. Okay, yeah. we'll let you off with that. That's that's
0: totally. <laughs> fine and and uh, I'll, I'll give one here too as well uh, Stephen on your theme of, of rereading books perhaps I'll say uh, under the volcano an amazing portrait of of Mexico by Malcolm Lowry, Lowry. that's one I, I like to reread so so maybe I'll go back uh, go back to that one and uh, uh, there's one called endure mind body and the curious uh, curiously elastic limits of human performance this is by a former uh, Canadian national uh, track runner Alex Hutchinson he's also um, a physics uh, doctor and And it's really interesting. He says, um, uh, the struggle to continue against a mounting desire to stop uh, is where uh, we will find our capability to continue in endurance sport. I'm a big cyclist and marathoner, so it's an interesting study uh, about that. So I'll dig into that one. But that is all we have for Midori House today. Uh, Stephen D.L., Sebastian Borger, thank you so much for joining us. Our producer, Fernando Augusto Pacheco. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.